Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action, as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Ben Demiri is the Chief Brand and Partnerships Officer of Twig. He is also the co-chair and co-founder of Platform Me, where he also served as a CEO from 2014 to 2020. In this heartfelt conversation, Ben shares his vision for a better world and included a call for all leaders to embrace their humanity. We talk about learning and integrating the feminine side of humanity into our leadership and how he sees exchange and making changes in small increments as the way to create tectonic shifts in the way leaders and companies operate today. Hi, hi Ben, and welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Uh, hi Sumit, nice to reconvene here. It's my pleasure to be a part of this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. And for our listeners, can you start by briefly sharing who you are and what do you do? Sure. So I'm Ben Demiri. I have had held, sorry, leadership positions in various degrees for the past good past 15 years. Um, currently, I serve as uh, chief brand and partnerships officer at Twig, and I'm a co-chairman at Platformy. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a bit of your backstory, right? What led you to this 15 years of being a leader? What is the story behind that? Well, like most uh, of, I would say, leadership functions out there, it usually, it's something that obviously gets nominated. It's, I guess, in part, I'm paying indirectly tribute to my mentors that um, have probably seen glimpses of hope that perhaps, okay, this person can handle responsibility and we can nominate them to take care of X, Y, Z. I guess that's what really unlocked everything. It starts with a gradual degree of holding responsibility and really um, taking it closely when it comes to 
of the execution, but it's also the nurturing element, making sure that things really fall under your care. And the word is really care and ownership um, rather than just ticking the box. I think for me, that's what really brings that line crossing mm-hmm. on yeah. taking care of a task versus leading a task. It's the aspect of care and ownership. Really. So I guess early on, you know, I would be fortunate enough to have my contribution recognized, which of course led to more responsibility and with more responsibility, it led gradually to progressing into mm. um, various degrees of yeah. leadership. Can you share an example or an incident which you remember? Maybe how like how old you were, what somebody said or did, what impact that did that make to your confidence, belief? Of course. I mean, the most defining moment, I would say, is when I was asked to step into a CEO role. And um, this was through um, a mentor of mine, uh, Jose Neves, who is now the chairman and CEO of Farfetch.com. It's really the leading luxury marketplace for fashion industry. And at that point, he was co-running a legacy business that I was working at. And um, he was saying with his journey, with his startup journey at that point with Farfetch, things were getting more serious. He was, you know, getting on board reputable investors that required him to obviously focus his time and effort in the company that they invested in. And in return, he recognized that perhaps I was the best suited person to take over the legacy business. And he entrusted me with the CEO position. That was a really a clear mark. Okay, uh, I really need you to um, tune up everything that you have been doing to another level, but it was also in another recognition of other duties that I was taking care of um, and saying, you've got the potential to actually do this. And I remember very well the message, which was, I've got terrible news for you and I've got great news for you. I said, well, tell me the, you know, the good news. I said, He goes, oh, I would love you to be the CEO of this company. I said, what are the terrible news? I would like you to be the CEO of this company. And then we delve deeper into what that means. It's loving the entire territory that comes with a leading position. It is not easy. The optics of what somebody may see on the outside may be the contrary to what is really going on in the background. But there you go, as a leader, it's, it's a part of that as well. Is There is a limit to showing vulnerabilities. Of course, we're all human and we're all vulnerable. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it's often overlooked the amount of um, effective stance that a leader may have of not wanting to overspill the problems or overshare or perhaps exaggerate even negative things that may be lurking in a setup or business or a team, it is often akin to a parent that wants to in harmony in their home. Um, So those dynamics tend to play as well, especially in growing companies and fast growing companies. There is an element of belonging, of tribalism, of protection as the company goes through various stages. Of course, that goes into other phases as the company grows. But, you know, all these dynamics, human dynamics are at play, which are 
often not very visible to those that are outside of the leadership position. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that uh, wonderful example because it reveals something so fundamental, right? That if we show belief, if we trust somebody without asking for reasons or without asking for proof, that uh, can like really impact your leadership. That can really be a turning point in your own journey. Can you share a bit more how did that change you as a person, change you as a leader in your confidence, in your ability to deal with the challenges? I'm sure that when you became a CEO, it was, as you said, right, it's not easy. So how did that one particular somebody trusting you, believing you, actually helped you deal with everything that lies ahead? I think in my particular case, the gradual ascent in leadership positions has really created a much necessary awareness that things are complex. Um, prior to that, as I was doing less and less responsibility-focused roles, my focus would have been, if not exclusively, you know, to a major part on all the optics. What is happening, and actually extremely reactive to what's happening to the external environment, often creating a distance between me and the situation. So it's almost like a very critical spectator position mm. of endlessly reviewing and commenting what I see in front of me, but actually refusing to, A, acknowledge that I could be a part of that. That awareness just wasn't there or was refusing to come front. But also it was this critical part of assessing this, which I think was missing, which is the influence that I could have over at least partially of that outcome, right? And I think that's what leadership does. First of all, you understand that things are very uh, often not so clear cut, that there is an underlying complexity, that a lot of the businesses actually fight for years. And when I say fight, it's really fight the challenge of streamlining their businesses, simplifying their business as much as possible with as much clarity, process, um, procedures as possible to avoid that. So there is businesses, uh, teams are complex. It's not a very straightforward thing very often. And I think leadership positions definitely, you know, create visibility on that. And two, one takes responsibility uh, for their part of that journey, but also are more and more aware of the influence that they could have <laughs> on that process, on the outcome and whatever is playing out. So that has definitely brought me from a spectator role in a very critical way. <laughs> into a role that's more about doing and understanding. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is overall a very positive thing that has influenced me across other areas of my life. Yeah, I less and less do the spectator and more very much acting in the middle to understand that, okay, I have a part to play in this and I can have a function and um, effect in that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And earlier you were talking about caring and love, right? And it's very easy to say, I care about this or I care about people, but it's very difficult to take care. 
especially when in the heat of everything, right? So this is what you're talking about, that balance or that, like not with things being black and white, but the understanding the complexity of uh, like, how can you actually take care, even in the heat of all of the expectations, performance pressure and real challenges. Can you share one or two of those instances where you either succeeded or failed and those became learning moments for you to like uh, moving from more of a critical role, spectator role to say that I care about this. So I acknowledge my part. I'm aware of this and it's a new skill. It's a new conversation that I need to have. Uh, I, well, first of all, I think I have early on developed an awareness of a, an exchange concept. I always think that the, I think everything is really relative apart from one thing, which is exchange. There is always something for something, you know. So the exchange, in my view, of course, it's absolute. There's always an element of exchange in what we do. So once I understood that concept deeply, um, I understood that there's always has to be an element of reciprocation. Uh, an element of reciprocation means being present and being available to do our best to give as much as we take and to be always aware of the balance of that situation. Mm -hmm. So considering the exchange, and I understood that early on, I was mostly involved in commercial roles to different degrees. In fact, even as a CEO, I felt that there's a lot of commerciality and business development and definitely relationship building as a part of that remit. <clears throat> so exchange was somehow always present in my career. And I really tried to be aware of that, especially if things could go out of balance, um, because it's always there to a certain degree, right? And the one thing that I think it has served me is understand how exchange can be powerful in a trend that's not necessarily a trend. I think it's quite a constant. And that is something that pulls us always together in business too, which is community, right? Once you create a community of partners, of employees, of clients, of investors, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you have a successful business or a business that's thriving, that's growing, that's delivering to all these stakeholders. It's often underlooked because of not understanding the exchange. Once you understand that there is an exchange, there is a lot of care uh, and focus into building these clusters of communities, which in the end builds the business. So they are building blocks of a business. So I would say, any success that I would define would be really related to having been successful to different degrees in building those communities, albeit separately, but they've come together, right? Um, in numerous instances, I'm very much doing that today also. Um, and whenever I failed, it's often been the case where that wasn't upheld or recognized or supported enough Overall, starting by me, right? This expectation somehow that things will just magically come together. It's not well-founded because 
the exchange, the fundamental principles were not respected. So then no wonder that things don't flourish, right? So any, typically any failure that I've had was related to that. And then the second one would be, again, you know, not perhaps playing as active role as I should have had. So jumping again in the spectator seat and allowing things to settle versus really stepping in and influencing them and understanding that I have actually a part of this, which again could arguably perhaps link to that exchange concept. Mm-hmm. But that's um, that's in a nutshell what um, what I think can be attributed to my biggest successes or failures for that matter. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. I think it's so easy to uh, ignore this, but yeah. I want to highlight and say, please celebrate you for like the choices that you have made to get where you're today. And many of these things which you're sharing might sound simple, but it's really then putting it into practice, right? I've, I love how you use the word community and how you use the word exchange uh, because a lot of people I talk about performance manager or performance management or like dealing with poor performers or expectations and all of that. But I think you said it as a very matter of fact that we are doing business. So it's a matter of exchange. It's a matter of being accountable or committed to what we say we will do, whether it is to employees or to partners. And then at the same time, it doesn't stop me from building a community, building a caring community, which basically holds it together, right? So, and also the flexibility to jump between these two roles, right? To be, uh, to have the tough conversation when required, to be the spectator and be critical when required, but then also to come back and being with the people as part of that community, like not separate, not as an overload, but actually as a part of that community. This is uh, so wonderful. And I think we can unpack this for a lot of time. But now I want to focus a bit on the future, right? This journey, which has brought you where you're today. Can you share what is next? What is it that you care about most deeply? And then what will that look like in the future? It's a very uh, deep question that I hope I can answer in a precise and concise way. It's obviously complex in itself. It's multifaceted. There is no one clear answer, but There's a couple of things that I really think uh, preoccupy me in terms of pace and um, understanding where we need to be as a business community on a global level. Uh, First and foremost, I think it's very clear that the roads which we have been taking for a considerable time when it comes to ensuring really the pillars of well-being, not just as a human society, but beyond, have not been the best. I think there is going to be a drastic, you know, urgent review, but also action-led type of leadership that's required for the next generation and for the generation that's really doing the job now overall. Um, obviously, sustainability is one big thing. And it's such a, of course, trendy word, and it has formed a part of our regular daily vocabulary. But it's, of course, always, that is also the exchange part about understanding what more could we do, being conscious of our choices um, that will impact the well-being of this ecosystem, of this planet, short-term and long-term, right? Yeah. 
uh, that's very important. It needs to be a part of our awareness in making decisions on constant basis. We are ultimately very responsible over the choices that we make and have much more impact than what we deem to think often. Uh, so I think that is key. It's really ensuring that exchange that we're doing and the decisions that we are taking on that is as well balanced as possible. The resources are not infinite. Um, I think we've understood now by this point that the planet is actually very giving, but there are degrees of how much we can abuse that. And the truth is that I think if we scratch the surface, it's quite alarming. And in some cases continues to be. And I understand sometimes even that review can form a part of the privilege when you are in a position to see that versus, you know, you really have no choices. So I'm also aware of that. But I always think there is a degree. Things are not binary. But there's always a way to make it a little bit better. And if everybody tries a little bit better, right? then we are already shifting to a better position. I'm not also of the opinion that everything should be vilified. I do think we need to recognize the reality that sometimes there's simply very little choices depending on where you are, the environments, the macroeconomics. So you've got to sometimes do what you've got to do. But I always think there is a degree in that decision-making that does not need to be that terrible. With that comes also... Um, really important issues like gender balance. And what I mean gender balance is really uh, a shift um, which is not happened yet, in my opinion. It's a tectonic shift, not a shift of here we've got an Excel or a presentation that balances that, a few hires that are diverse in terms of gender balance background balance, racial balance, or whatever balance we may be seeking. Um, I'm not necessarily interested in the optic side of things. That's very well done, but it's very clear that it's feeble. It is not really fundamental. I would be looking forward as the next you know, generation of leadership unfolds gradually to really see those fundamental tectonic shifts. For example, it's the female thinking and redesign of the world that interests me. A new perspective on the world and how the business is done that interests me. Not um, a very weak voice, in my opinion, at the moment that comes from that side of things that typically also retro-engineered and designed to fit in this male-dominated you know, view. Yeah. And if we allow that to happen, we will really understand how very different the world could look, right? Um, how different society could look, how different this could look, and ultimately our lifestyle and world. So I know that's a lot to take in, but let's start, for example, with a very simple concept of more than half of our planet are females. It's the thinking, the difference, fundamental difference in thinking and being that must be recognized. And the difference is what we need to celebrate. And the different thinking is what we need to invite to redesign the world of today. 
Now, I think despite all the optics, we are really far from that. And I know for a fact that a lot of people, males, of course, will be very uncomfortable with that. But it's the only thing that is really going to shift the needle. And then it comes, obviously, consequentially, all the other differences on perspective on how things should be thought through, done, executed, all of that comes into that. Differences in culture, you know, this world is very rich uh, in thinking, in perspective and opinions, but I see very few of those perspectives really leading. It's complex. This earth and society has had journeys, right? Mm. Um, but I think as we become more conscious and more connected and understand it's really borders are a human concept, right? There is no such thing. Somebody decided to put the line and this is yours and this is mine, but it's really all shared resource. We will, I think, gradually be more open. Uh, I understand there is an element of utopia of these statements, but I also hold them fundamentally true. We are in this spherical globe sharing this entity. And um, it's time for us to really allow us to be who we really are, self-authentic, and be able to invite different perspectives into our life and what we do, rather than this monolithic, mm. mostly white view of the world. Thank you. Yeah, I think I cannot express in words what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> in what you shared, right? It's, as you said, right, it can sound utopian, but I think that's also a very male thing to dismiss something or asking to be practical. And what you are sharing is a call, right? As you said, it's a call. It's a, time is now. And it's um, so deeper than, like, when I ask this question about the future, people tell me about more revenue, more business, new companies. But what you are sharing is so much beyond uh, your individual leadership and then that tells me like what you are thinking or how you are envisioning and that is so inclusive so I want to like take a moment to just acknowledge what you just shared yeah. uh, and yes it doesn't take away from any complexity doesn't makes the whole journey easier but unless we address that head-on sometimes as you said tectonic shifts are required in in many areas so we will not be able to move with a full authenticity and full, like really honoring what we are facing uh, and also acknowledging our small space, right? We are a speck of dust. If you see the planet rotating in the universe, like we are nobody. And yet many times we see that we are the center of the world, maybe subconsciously, but, and that holds us back from our leadership so many times. So thank you for sharing that. I could see a very different spark in your eyes as you were sharing that. Mm -hmm. And I want to create a separate segment, a separate clipping of that. Uh, and I'm going to share it with so many people. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. I think a part of leadership responsibility is really recognizing the human side of our workforce, of business scenarios that we are immersed in. And that's what I felt that this podcast is really is. I think there is a lot of people that will be tuning into this that are incredibly good at dealing with the day-to-day -day, uh, running of the business and strategic parts, no doubt as well, from being able to touch on perf performance management and how to get the best of their environment. For me, it has traditionally been very important to tap into the human element of the leadership as that extra pocket that many leaders don't go into, but funnily enough, it unleashes so much. It really is. 
And don't get me wrong, it's also about as a leader, you've got a finite time of investing in that, right? In that exchange, which is why assessing that balance is really important. Uh, for example, the concept of mentorship. I think a lot of the time this concept is misused in my point of view because it implies that a leader should be ultimately a mentor and they are supposed to give, and that's not the case. In my point of view, at least in my experience, one has to qualify. One has to have the right circumstances to invest in their time. Uh, you know, so it's really about Again, fine-tuning into the potential and understanding whether there is an opening to that exchange and then willingly, obviously, invest in that exchange. I always call that ready to receive. Mm-hmm. You could be spending a lot of time, but the focus of a particular you know, person or situation may not, at that point in time, be interested in that exchange. So it's really no point spending that energy and attention on that. You can shift the gaze into something else or a particular mentorship, you know, opportunity where that person is really ready to receive. They're really ready and thirsty for that knowledge base and for that opening to happen, right? So it's all about timing and situational circumstances where one is, right? So by no means I'm here in a position to to share attention and, you know, care with everyone. But I often found that if it's well-placed, it's almost like opening uh, a door into a room that you never knew it existed. And this incredible untapped potential that can just release, which has twofold benefits. First of all, that person feels more self-actualized um, and therefore more confident. They're able to contribute more, they're more motivated. And as a consequence, the business obviously performs better. So that's what I found. And that's why I tend to focus on that human part of leadership, which often Excel does not show. Of course, we all have results to report. Yes. But I feel that this conversation is a little bit, or should be, in my point of view, a bit deeper than that. Yeah, and it is deeper, right? Because that to have that conversation, you need a certain amount of uh, grounding or confidence and not come from a place of insecurity. Right. To say that I want to mentor you, but I have my conditions, right? It's not for everybody. And if you are, if I see that you are up to the mark or you're willing to receive, then I'm going to demand something from you. It's an equal relationship. It's not just I'm yes. giving or pouring uh, right. out. An exchange. Yes, it's an exchange, right? And then you, as a leader, you can set your own conditions. You can play on and, and meet people on an equal turf. Of course. Yeah. And it's uh, it's very gratifying as well, very satisfying. A, a big part of the human experience is passing on the knowledge and helping others succeed and yeah. helping others grow. And for me, it's always a, a position that I enjoy and cherish. And then I appreciate, obviously, my position that I have the privilege to be able to do that. And so I really do my best to be that person. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. And to try to wrap this conversation up, and I think I can we can talk for uh, like a longer, longer time, but uh, this is still new, I would say, to many leaders or given the fact that how busy or how overwhelmed people can, this can land as new or not for me. Right. So what advice would you give to somebody who's listening and saying, too, I'm too busy, I'm too much pressure, not 
this is not the right time. I know the planet is like going out of control, but I have to focus on my stuff first, right? So what advice would you give to somebody who maybe understands, but basically doesn't really see the value or the practicality of what we are talking about today? I would say two things. Surely to that person, surely you are aware of exchange and they will agree. You know, there's always some type of exchange. I think no one can argue with that. So that will be my starting point. And the other part is, if you believe in exchange, then you believe that also your business is a series of different exchanges, right? And if that's the case, means that you are a part of that exchange, which means that if you just stop for a moment and connect with yourself, deep down inside, you know what is the right thing to do. Okay, so you know, right, for whatever reason, you cannot execute it. But as a part of that exchange, try to do a little bit better. You can always do a little bit better. Just like you ask your employees to push a little bit harder. Let's go a little bit more. You can also, as a leader, always do a little bit better. And that's all you can do, right, at that circumstance. As long as you're consciously aware that you can and you have done a little bit better, no matter how terrible the circumstances are, then I think, you know, if everybody did a little bit better contribution, we will already be in a better place. So things can be also gradual, but if they're not going to happen, if we don't try to do a little bit better, and we can always do that. There's Thank no, you. no arguments yeah. there, right? Yeah, I love two parts there, right? So one is stop and look inside, right? And when you look inside, you always know what to do, right? And uh, without finding reasons or evidence or data, you always know what to do. I think that is so meaningful. Like if you listen to your gut, if you listen to your heart, you always know what to do. And then very practical, take the smallest step, right? Do not be overwhelmed by how big the gap is, but take the small steps, what is in your control. And that's how you build momentum. That's how you build confidence. Uh, and that's how you start to feel good about yourself as well. Even if there is fear and insecurity, that will actually set you up. It's a small incremental progress. And that's how you like climb any stairs, right? You don't go from the ground floor to the 10th floor directly by taking a jump. You take the stairs to the first floor and then to the next floor and so on. And ultimately, in any degrees of leadership, no matter how may that may end up, you know, lonely at the top, autocratic, like whatever it is, at the end of the day, no one can also argue that humans are social animals, that what we do only has context in a society, in how that plays with the others, right? So as a part of that, there's always an impact that we have in any position that we are at, and particularly in leadership one, because of the influence and decision-making power on the course of Mm -hmm. of things, right? Um, on the direction and action that's being taken by particular businesses and individuals. So therefore, really, I think most of us are aware of those boundaries. And those are healthy points, healthy checkpoints where we have to revisit them. So yes, I think a degree of introspection is utmost necessary. It's an obligation, right? Because we are, you know, influencing others in that particular case. So 
Yes, 100% agree on that. Thank you. Thank you. And to wrap this up, right, if anybody who is listening wants to reach out, find out more about what you are up to, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn uh, in a sense of I get back to people. And I mean, this is how we got in touch. I tend to go eventually through all my messages. So please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Even if I'm not immediately reactive, I do have at some point an email, in mail, sorry, um, clear out sessions where I would literally go through everything and sure I respond to mostly everyone. So you can find me on LinkedIn very easy in that way. And I'll do my best to help if I can. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. And with that, I want to thank you for everything that you shared and for who you are and what you do uh, with your leadership. And I want to wish you all the best for everything that lie ahead for you. Thank you so much, Sumit, and very much the same to you. Thank you for creating this forum for us. Uh, We hope to be helpful with sharing our experience and any advice we have. And I really look forward to the next generation of leaders that will hopefully contribute to make this world a better place, as simple as. And that for sure comes through business as well. There is a big driving force there. So let's do it. Absolutely. Let's do it. It's a wonderful place to end. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Somit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.